And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman for our Thanksgiving week edition. Both of us are out traveling for Thanksgiving, coming from our respective hotel rooms. We are both in the Midwest visiting families, and then we're both heading up to Ann Arbor for the big game this weekend. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second, but first the playoff rankings came out Tuesday night. The only real change was, and we kind of saw this coming, Washington and Florida State swapped places uh, after Washington picked up its fourth top 25 win, or I guess now it's three because Utah dropped out. It's funny how these your number of top 25 wins can change without actually playing a game. Florida State picked one back up with Clemson. Um, any any Anything to do with Jordan Travis not, you know, being able not to... Not yet, not yet. I think they said the boot care... First of all, Boot Corgan has a weird quirk where if you look at the transcripts, no matter what you ask him, he always starts his answer by saying, again, it must be that he, he's been talking about this stuff for two days with his committee and he'll say, well, again, it's like, well, we haven't, this is the first time we're hearing you say it. What is your weird quirks do? Uh, you tell me, you, you hear me talk on here all the time. You probably notice more than me. Is it um or? No, no I don't or, know what yours is. I mean, we go through some of them, you know, at times you kind of not you per se, but like there's been times I'm like, obviously we'll come out and whatever. But I know just when I coach my football kids, it's like, I will start by saying real quick and then it won't be real quick. It'll be like real quick. <laughs> and then I have like eight and I just kind of go on too long. Um, I say literally too much. Honestly, we could go on and on about this, but so it's not so much. Look, Florida State, Washington, either of them went out. They're going to the playoff. Obviously, we're starting to hone in on what happens if somebody loses. One that I find interesting is Oregon has been right behind Washington from the jump. We obviously saw that game, close game. But it hadn't occurred to me that Oregon has had several wins against teams that were ranked at the time, and they've all fallen out, right? Colorado, USC, now Utah. So Alabama fans are sitting there going, what? They have zero top 25 wins. We have three. Why are they above us in the pecking order? They may they, have another one, Stu, that they that Oregon may may knock out themselves, and that's Oregon State. I don't think Oregon State's 16. Yeah, I don't they're, think they're going to fall all the way out. I don't think they're going to fall out either. But if you notice, there's only two teams that have four losses in the top 25. Tennessee, who I feel like I'm surprised they're still in it, to be honest. And Clemson, which has gone on a little bit of a run since they were four and four, is 24. Um, I mean, is, does it – I'm asking you maybe a rhetorical question, but do you think it would matter if Oregon State loses and they go to eight and four and then they fall out of the top – I mean, is that even 
I don't like it. I mean, we're at a point in the season now where there just are going to be four lost teams in the rankings. So if Oregon State's 16th, unless Oregon beats them 100 to nothing, I don't think they're going to fall out. The other thing is, if Utah beats Colorado, I would assume Utah's going to come back in with four losses. Um, my thing on Oregon, though, is, and again, like this drives people crazy if you don't like when the committee says I test or whatever, but they have been so dominant in all but the Washington game, and even that one was a draw. They have obviously one of the two best quarterbacks this season in Bo Nix, but they're also number two in the country in rushing. And I believe they're the only defense. Yeah, they have a top 20 defense. defense. So it's like, why are they high? Because they're really good. Really good quarterbacks. This is not, you know, no offense on all the Big Ten teams. The Big Ten does not have the depth of quarterbacks and offense that the Pac-12 does. The only so the, I guess the question would be if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 title game and Alabama beats Georgia, like this may be moot, right? Don't you think Alabama would pass them in that scenario? Well, I think the the yeah, yes, I do think they would. You're not so this was the issue that I've had with you. I've <laughs> changed my mind. Okay, you, just the idea of like you can have an SEC champ that actually would have beaten Georgia an undefeated Georgia, which would have the best win in the country for the this year by far. Um, I get it. They lost really early in the season. To me, Alabama would feel a little bit like, you know, Urban Meyer had a couple of teams that stubbed their toe early in the year and then ended up in the playoff. Well, and when I, I said that I couldn't see them, that I thought it would be absurd if they didn't reward Texas for the head-to-head, in my mind, I was thinking if they came, if it came down to Alabama and Texas, for the fourth spot, like if they're number four, number five, then you got to go by the head by head. But as I look at it now, if Alabama beats Georgia, they would jump all the way up to number two, probably behind the Ohio State Michigan winners. So they wouldn't be particularly close. So then the committee would say the the tiebreaker doesn't apply. They probably wouldn't jump to two, Stu, is I think if Washington beats Oregon again. I think so, though that Georgia win would have. Yeah, they would be third. Wait, Washington no, they would. They would, if by the championship Saturday, they would be second because you have two wins over. You would have two wins over a really good Oregon team, um, and then you're going to have either wins over at Oregon State or Utah, who's like you pointed out is going to be ranked. Potentially both are going to be ranked. You have a win at Arizona, which now looks way better. Um, that's, so then there is a scenario where Alabama. It could be like Alabama. Well, first of all, they might both get in, right? It could be Alabama. You got one Big Ten champ, an SEC champ, and what we think will be a Pac-12 champ. So the issue then here is assuming Florida State, and I do think this is a, a fairly this is a this is a bigger assumption. Florida State would beat a good Louisville team. Uh, then you got Florida State there. Committee's life would be a lot easier if Florida State loses. That's for sure. Uh, if they don't, and then you're saying you have an undefeated Big Ten team an undefeated Pac-12 team, an undefeated ACC team. Plus well, now we are talking about one loss Alabama versus one loss Texas, Texas. aren't we? Yeah. Unless the committee Alabama is going. I think Alabama is No, going. but here's what I think they would do just to, just to cover themselves. Alabama would move up to three. Georgia would fall to four. They'd put Texas. both of them in then? What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Alabama would fall to four. Four right behind the three undefeated teams. Yeah. Although honestly, they could they could justify moving them ahead of Florida State. You know, 
Like, yeah, that's let's say that's what they do. Alabama three with one loss, undefeated Florida State four, which is like a little bit of a nod to no Jordan Travis, but they don't miss the playoff because of it. Georgia five, Texas six. So they'll say, well, they weren't particularly close to each other, so we didn't have to use the tiebreaker. Mm. If you're Texas, you need. Well, obviously Alabama to leave. You're Texas. This is exactly this is the other reason why you left the Big Twelve because it's yeah. not good. I would also say that if you if that happens, there's going to be a lot of people who say, "Well, why should you schedule tough out of conference if you're not going to get reward?" Like they did exactly what we want people to do. They scheduled a really tough home and home. They won it by ten, and they could still get left out while the team they beat goes in. That's we had this very conversation reason. last week with, in the studio with Mike. Killing Petros about what are you doing? You're exactly that point. You're doing what everybody wants you to do, and it's it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you're it, this is technically a power five conference that they're in. It's not their fault that Oklahoma started stumbling and Oklahoma State is wasn't very wasn't all that good anyway. It's not their fault. The other thing that has worked against the Big Twelve is you know for years it's been a 10 team round robin very smooth very clean with the new teams this year none of whom are good you got some really you know you you've got teams playing a bunch of dreck right so in texas but, and texas lost to oklahoma so in their best case scenario they're going to have beaten what kansas state and maybe oklahoma state in conference and then played a bunch of games against the the new teams and the the, the Texas Tech is kind of mediocre. So people say, well, it's your own fault because you lost to an Oklahoma team that's not a top ten team anyway. Well, I mean, Oklahoma will be a three loss team, but Alabama lost to them. So it's 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 whatever happens, half the country will be ticked off about it. I do think that there's a lot of people who think head to head should trump everything. And I, I don't one necessarily of those disagree. I was one of those people. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm just, I'm projecting it. First of all, this already happened to Texas once. They're going to be so ticked. This already happened to them that Oklahoma year. Um, but I'm just projecting what the committee is going to do if Alabama ends Georgia's 29-game winning streak, which, by the way, I don't think they will. I think Georgia is still better than them. We'll see if it resolves itself smoothly. So we're both going to the Ohio State-Michigan game. Oh, I should mention right now that... Hey, one question on this. What do you think is a better chance of happening? Alabama beating Georgia or Louisville knocking Florida State from the end ranks? Louisville, because just because Florida State doesn't have their quarterback. Um, and Louisville's pretty good. I don't want to slight them. I don't think they're a fluke. Uh, I don't think Florida State loses to Florida. Do you know Florida? I was just doing my picks, so this is on my mind. Do you know Florida has the 129th ranked defense in the country? How, that, like we talk about USC bad, LSU bad. This is even worse. So I think with or without Jordan Travis, they're going to score some points on on Florida. Um, yeah, I definitely. What do you buy? I would definitely say better chance Louisville. I would agree with that. Now Alabama going into the game two years ago, nobody gave them a prayer. If you remember, they had just come off the Iron Bowl where. They were losing, what, 10 to 3 down to the final seconds, and then Bryce Young led them down the field. And Georgia had been dominant all year. So the thought was Georgia was going to crush them, and it was the exact opposite. So I'm never going to totally write off Nick Saban, but I do think like he is getting the absolute most out of this team, but their max 
scenario, their max uh, team is still like, you're still putting a lot of faith that Jalen Milroe has gotten so much better that he can do what he did to LSU and Tennessee against Georgia. And I don't, I don't have much confidence in that. The only part of that Stu that I would be like, eh, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out is that, you know, Auburn with a much less athletic quarterback ran all over um, Georgia. And that was, that a was long not time ago. It was, it was mid season, but I was like, that was a long time ago for Jordan Milrow too. Um, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to give them a lot of problems. I mean, you know, they've, they've given up a bunch of yards on the ground. Like they gave up a lot, you know, Mississippi was a, was a blowout, but they still ran for almost 200 yards on them. You know, Tennessee, you know, had one big run early, which I think probably skewed the stats, but still like, I don't think this defense, which I had heard was supposed to be, you know, so fantastic. Hasn't been that it's been good, but it's not, you know, like, again, I I'm, I, I don't think it's going to be fluky if Alabama beats them just because they have a running quarterback who's super dynamic, you know, and we'll see. We can talk about that next week. Okay. So this week we've got the big game in Ann Arbor. Number, it's the second. I mean, it's crazy. It's second year in a row they're meeting as number two versus number three, 11 and 0 versus 11 and 0. And I just wanted to talk for a second about rivalries and rivalry weekend. And all the, you know, I, I've had the good fortune to cover some of the, some, I think we were both at the 2006 one versus two game, which as big as last year and this year feel like, I don't know that it will ever get bigger than that, where they were one and two pretty much. The Are whole you kidding? Year. Are you, th- that was big. This has the nastiest part, part of a rivalry beyond, I was going to say Henry Updike, Harvey Updike, that I can think <laughs> of like this. This is so much nastier than that was. Well, yes. Do you remember who the coach was at Michigan? Back then? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was Lloyd Carr against Jim Trestle. It was Lloyd Carr and Jim Trestle. Yeah. The coaches hate each other. They were both asked this week some version of "Do you? how much do you respect? And they both wouldn't go there. Like, they hate each other. And that's great. That's great for content. Families hate each other. This is so much nastier than that. Yeah, but you're okay. Yes, it is nastier, but I'm saying bigger. Like one, there. You know, you you've talked about how the number in front of the team matters in the TV rankings, TV ratings. There, that was a one versus two this, game. This and what where they the were both. Uh, hold on, yeah. they were both. They were one and two. I think pretty much the whole season. Ohio State was definitely one, and this seems silly now with the SEC being what the SEC is, but. Like, I feel like it was two months of, well, if it's a close game, well, Michigan Michigan loses, could they still go to the championship? Like, there was no regard given to Florida, who ended up crushing Ohio State that year. So it just felt like we spent the entire season building that up. This year, it's a huge game, but it feels like, you know, to, Georgia's still Georgia, right? So, it, oh, so they're still number one. That being said, I cannot remember any... Uh, lead up to any game, much less Ohio State, Michigan, like this, where the t- where one team has been caught, let's say it, cheating. A lot of the fan base thinks that the team they're about to play turned them in or had something to do with it. They definitely know that they were probably stealing their signs. 
the coach is suspended. Like this is an extremely unique backdrop. And I, I'm bracing for like fights in the stands, fights between the players, coaches getting each fights other in the press box, media members throwing down. Now, I don't know about that, but like keep an eye. I mean, you'll be down the field, but keep an eye out. Just like when the teams come out for warmups, you might. I mean, you might. You. It's not unusual to see like before a big rivalry game, the players get into it. I could see the coaches getting into it. So I'm glad I threw this at you because it surprises me. And it, maybe it's a different era that it was because we're talking about 2006 versus 2023. The TV rating for that game, which was on ABC, tw almost 22 million viewers. I believe it That's was the biggest since the 93. Uh, yes, Florida State, Florida State Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. Now, this, this is not NFL numbers. Like NFL numbers are insane what they do. But I'd be shocked. Not shocked. I'd be quite surprised if this game got 20 million viewers. I got asked that exact question in my mailbag this week. What did I think the rating was going to be? I didn't go quite that high. Last year's game was 17.1 million. And that was the most since the 2011 LSU Alabama game, which was, and that one was 20 million. Again, that was a one versus two game. So I think I this will be somewhere. I honestly don't think it matters. One versus two, two versus three. So, so, I, so I said um, 18 million. You're saying 20? I'm I'm guessing that it's... Should we place point. a bet on it? No, we shouldn't. Because I don't know like what goes into this. Well, I you work at a TV, the TV network showing the game. You might have more audience insight than I do. I would if, I, if maybe I knocked on the right doors. I don't care that much about... Maybe I should because of my bosses. But like I don't care that much whether it does does 20 million or 18. Um, it's just hard. Those numbers are enormous now. Well, that's the thing. 18, 19, these are all Doesn't matter. insane yeah. numbers for college football regulars. Those are better than, um, I believe, the semi college football semifinals do. Uh, it's also like, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, I think depending on where, what part of the country you're from, where you've grown up, that might influence what you think the biggest rivalry is. The Iron Bowl is obviously huge. But for my money, it's Ohio State, Michigan. Um, and there was a period there where it just wasn't that it wasn't that good. It was very lopsided. Michigan wasn't that great. And the Iron Bowl was the rivalry starting in what Harvey Updike was what the 2010 game, the Cam Newton game. So if you start with that one and go through the kick six, uh, I was there in 2017 when Auburn beat undefeated Alabama to go to the SEC championship game. Like that was the rivalry in this sport for a good seven, eight years. And the last couple, Ohio State, Michigan has kind of taken the spotlight back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So to you, you know, we both grew up covering this sport. Give me your, your, I don't want to say five, your biggest rivalry moments you've ever been a part of in one way or the other. That 06 Ohio State-Michigan game would definitely be number one. You're talking about games I covered? Yes. Uh, That would be number one. Um, I would say the very first Iron Bowl I went to, which was... Was that the Cam game where Cam led the I unfortunately was not at the Cam Newton game, were you? That was insane that day. Were you there? Yes, I was there. So that's got to be your number one or your number two. Um, it's definitely more than like the two, the 2006 Michigan-Ohio State game for me is not, would not be among my top memories, to be honest. Really? It's just not. not no. I, it's um, funny. I just think of it as like the pinnacle of of. Cam leading now again. This there's there's some definite biases here for me because you know I work with Joe Tess on the Roll Tide War Eagle documentary, and so much of it was revisiting that. But like the comeback, what it was, Cam talk being in the room when Cam was talking about that comeback and all of it, where you're sitting there and he is, you know, it it, it just was like. Uh, it felt very all theatrical in how it was. Um, you know, you can still hear like Eli Gold's calls on this and different parts of it. Um, and because it was so nasty, you know, of of Cam, it, it, it has some 
some similar feeling to me of this year with Michigan. Yeah. Well, it's very similar with the accusations. And yeah. The rest of the league is, it just wasn't as vocal as this. But to me, that was there. I mean, I'm not surprised you would say that was number your number one. I'm just surprised you said Ohio State Michigan wasn't like what else? It's just not like um, what would come after that. I remember being at the Orange Bowl for some wild um, Mm. Miami Florida State games when those were the two best programs in college football, and you just had larger than life people out there, you know, with it. Um, I was at the second wide right game in, or the third wide. It was wide right three in two thousand. And I was very new to the profession and I don't think I quite grasped or appreciated what I was witnessing at the old orange bowl, but yeah, that, that, I guess that goes number two on my list. Last year in Columbus was one of the, will be one of the most memorable games I've ever been in. You know, when I say a part of them, it's like I'm on the field and to be there where I, it blew my mind about what was happening about you know, it was going to be the revenge game for Ohio State. It was in Columbus. You know, there are people there saying it was going to be a fluke. And then going up to the game, I remember talking to Michigan staffers on the field about just how banged up they were. Blake Corm's really not going to be able to give them anything. Donovan Edwards has got a soft cast on his hand. He probably can't catch the ball. You know, there's this guy who's banged up, that guy who's banged up. And for the first half, it felt like they were teetering on getting blown out of the building. And then in the second half, it was like, yeah, we're tougher than them. These guys are going to quit. And they're telling all their, you know, I can still remember being around that, you know, like Saner still had two picks last week against Maryland. And throughout it, the one thing I know I know from him is seeing the smallest guy in the field standing above his bench, pointing at Ohio State's bench, talking about how we know they're going to quit. We know who they are. I, like, it's such a visceral thing. And then, you know, Tom Rinaldi and I were working and he was the sideline reporter of the game. And I said to him, just turn around and look at this. And it was just total, like, disbelief in the fans of all the Ohio State fans. And then, yeah. you know, Jake Butt, who's now in the media and is an announcer, but used to be you know, a really good Michigan tight end. I saw him on the field after the first Donovan Edwards long run. And, you know, I... I think he believed it was coming, but like we're standing there and it was almost like you're looking at the wreckage. And then all of a sudden he busts like another 80 yard run. You know, like, oh my God, this is like just, I cannot remember a game where I was just like, it just was, it just was different. That's why I like, you know, and the, the game where you were talking about before. You don't normally, you know, all these famous games, you didn't watch them from the sideline. You know, um, like you had a vantage point. There. Yeah, I actually did. Have, I actually was on the sideline for the 2006 game because that was in the middle. I think you'll remember when I say this in the middle of ESPN magazine was 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 persona non grata with Ohio State at that point. It it had to do with one of my former co-workers had done a story about it was just complex, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And oh, wait, I think I remember this. They weren't going to give you a credential. Yeah, I booked in and then all of a sudden we found out, yeah. And so the college game day guys were like, here, we'll get you a sideline pass. And I remember going to like some sporting goods store because I'm like, man, because I think it was a 3.30 kick. And I remember thinking, yeah, I better, I need need to have more warm clothes because I'm going to be outside, you know, just standing there. So, but I don't, you know, I don't remember it the way I remember. Granted, that was almost 20 years ago. But, you know, thinking about like the Iron Bowl, 
with Cam was different. Like I, I remember, you know, some of those, like the Florida State Miami games, because it was the Orange Bowl was so nasty. You know, the environment, like it just, you had, it was just kind of wild. The Orange Bowl was as loud as could be. I think that was part of it. I'll tell you a game I remember and I wasn't there for it. And I had such a weird perspective on it because I was in Oklahoma. I was, my crew was about to do, I want to say Oklahoma, Iowa State. And I'm watching LSU against Alabama. And it's really the, like, this is the Joe Burrow team. And I'm watching it with Barrett Jones, you know, former, you know, All-American offensive lineman. We're like in the press box. We're the only two people watching it. And just to see that go on, you know, like this was a breakthrough moment for that LSU team. You know, they were, I think they were the better team anyway, but at that point we weren't sure of it. And just to kind of see that and listen, you know, watch Barrett's roller coaster of emotions as LSU jumps out to this, this big lead. I think sometimes the rivalries are made when the team you don't think is going to win. And the, the only ones who think they're really going to win is that team. I think that's what does it, you know, to be honest. All right, I want to give my vantage points for several of those. The 2010 Iron Bowl will be good boys. Yes, I was flying from St. Louis, which is actually where I am right now for Thanksgiving, to Reno through LAX. And, you know, this is I don't remember if there was even Wi-Fi in the I'm I'm I watched the beginning of the Iron Bowl at an airport bar. Then I'm getting updates on it. I don't remember if it was, I think I actually went through the plane. I just was in the dark. But I remember when we left, Alabama was up. Did they get up 21 nothing or was it 17 nothing? Yeah. Yes. That's what it was when I got on the plane. And then when I got off the plane, Auburn was winning and I was able to catch the end of it at the hotel. But, you know, and then, by the way, the Boise State Nevada game is one of the absolute most memorable I've ever covered. But that's not, I don't really think of that as a rivalry game. Kick six. The last time I was at an Ohio State-Michigan game was a 2013 game that doesn't really get mentioned among the greats, but it was crazy. It was the game where their offensive lineman got ejected and gave the double bird. Okay. And the game came down to Michigan scores a touchdown to get, it was like 42-41 and Brady Hope goes for two with Devin Gardner and Tyvis Powell intercepts it. If if it if they get the two point conversion, Michigan Ohio State was undefeated. If they get the two point conversion, they knock Ohio State out of the championship race right there. So then you know we're up writing our stories, and the Iron Bowl is going on on the TVs. And I start to realize that there's no point in me turning in this story without knowing what's happening in that game because it directly affects Ohio State's chances. So we're just kind of waiting for it. And when he turns the corner on the kick six, the entire press box lost their mind. So that was my vantage point on that one. And then the 2019 Burrow versus Tua game, I was at that game. It was amazing. It's everybody, you know, now it's like, well, duh, that was one of the greatest offenses of all time. People forget that, like, I was at the LSU Alabama game the year before that when Alabama shut them out. For much of that, I'd say for the first two thirds of that season, there was a feeling of like, this is too good to be true. Like, how could LSU go from years and years of miserable offenses to this? machine but when they put up 46 on alabama that was the moment of okay okay you know like this is real this is happening and so that was a little bit surreal to be at i remember actually asking nick saban at the press conference like what changed from last year and he's like 
this is an completely different offense than what they were running last year. Like there's literally nothing similar about it. And you know, that, that game goes down in the history books as I think like kind of the defining Joe Burrow moment in college. Um, so <laughs> I had to get a new computer because of some issues with my other one. And I'm locked out of our audiblepod at gmail.com address. I can't remember the password because it was, you know, saved on my other one for years. And of course, you don't know what it is. You probably haven't opened that email since like 2015 or something. I've, ne I've never opened that email. You've never once opened it? Let me tell you something. It's a lot of spam. And David Eisen, he's in there every week. Jason Garluski, you know, all our regulars. So I'm really sorry, guys, but I'm not able to retrieve those emails right now to do a mailbag section. I promise I'll have it resolved by next week. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy all the football. Oh, wait, should we give our Ohio State Michigan prediction? Sure. Why don't you go first? I was certain about Michigan up until last week. The Maryland gave me a, game gave me a little bit of pause, mostly because of J.J. McCarthy. Like all along, I've been thinking, well, they've got this big advantage at quarterback. And now I'm like, do they? But I'll stick with Michigan. They're in Ann Arbor. Um, I just I, my concern for Ohio State is the offensive line. I don't know how it'll hold up against Michigan. So I think I'm taking Michigan in a low scoring 17-13 kind of game. Uh, I am with you on that. I have a little bit of concern. Colin McCord has played well in some tough environments. I don't think he's going to see anything quite like this. And the one thing that gave me pause happened last week, and it didn't have to do with Michigan, Maryland. It actually happened to do with Minnesota, Ohio State. And it's something I already knew, but maybe had a reminder. And sitting in the studio all day, you see a lot of the same highlights. And I was like, yeah, Travion is probably the most talented running back in college football. He's not always healthy, and he wasn't for much of the year. But if he's rolling, he's the guy who turns things into touchdowns. And it wouldn't surprise me if he busted a 75-yard run to break the game open or put them ahead. Uh, but I'm still thinking Michigan is convinced it's a tougher team. And what you said, I do agree with. And I don't think it's a point that gets made enough is that, you know, Ohio State lost a bunch of really good offensive linemen, including a couple of NFL guys up front. And I think their guys are are still pretty talented but I don't think they're as good as they were last year. And whereas I think the Michigan defensive line, actually, I think it's better. And I think the Michigan front is better. So I'm leaning to Michigan to do a three-peat. I would wonder in this regard, and we've talked about this a little here and there, but like how much different do you think it is if you're Ryan Day and you lose a third time, but then you lose this game and it's not to Jim Harbaugh, it is to Sharon Moore. I mean, what would be the fallout of that? First of all, the fact that we both picked Michigan, despite having almost locked ourselves into Ohio State, is a good sign for Ohio State. Um, Probably. I'm sure there will be like a lot of angst and uproar, but like the guy has a 900 winning percentage. He is 38 and two in the Big Ten. Obviously, you don't want to lose three straight to Michigan, Jim Harbaugh or not. But what I would say is, Given what's going on at Michigan, I don't know if Harbaugh is going to still be there. I don't know what kind of punishments they're going to be facing. Like, this might be the end of that window. You're going to lose your third straight. Everybody's going to be mad at you. But then I don't know that Michigan's going to still be at this level come next year. And the rivalry might swing back. 
That's I think that's a very reasonable assessment. I don't think Michigan. I don't. I know fans won't be reasonable about it, but <laughs> that's my reasonable assessment. Yeah, I don't think Michigan's going to be the same. They're going to lose. Maybe maybe it's not twenty NFL draft picks. Maybe it's seventeen. Um, whatever it is. By the way, you're big. the one who put the twenty draft picks idea out into the out into the world, and now no, I quoted it as fact. I know because well, I, I mean Harbaugh told me it. I that's right. why when I was I saw him at Big Ten Media Days and we were all you know kind of walking around. He said it. He basically rattled off all the all the guys who were, and that has ended up getting a you know and for whatever you know say whatever you want about the Connor Stallions scandal as it were like if they have 15 or 20 players drafted that is because the NFL thinks those guys are really talented players yeah and been developed not you know not related to whether they you know whether they had advanced scouting or not so I guess what I'm saying is Michigan has been the better team the last two years and they may well be the better team again this year and that's, you know, a total swing from where it used to be. And Ohio State fans have every reason to be pissed about that. But I'm more bullish on Ohio State's future than I am Michigan's. So if they could just try to not panic. I mean, the guy, what's going to happen? He's got a 900 winning percentage. He's not going to get fired for losing three straight to Michigan. Um, he's going to come back next year and do it again. So uh, before we go, one yeah. last question for you. What is the other game you're most interested about this Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I, I would say the other one is actually is Florida State, Florida, even though I said earlier, I don't see how Florida can win it. Just the unknown of seeing Florida State without Jordan Travis. Florida is going to be without Graham Mertz. I, that can't bode well, but but who knows? Um, and there's, you know, just the stakes. Like, obviously, Florida State cannot afford to lose that game. Um, I'm, I'm like, you know, Oregon, Oregon State will be fun on Friday night. It's in its own window but I, I don't really see a path for the Beavers there. Um, LSU, A&M, we're not going to get to see because we're going to be at Ohio State, Michigan. But that's like the last, you know, Heisman showcase opportunity for Jaden Daniels. What about you? Um, I would probably say it's the Friday night game of Oregon and Oregon State, I think. Um, I just feel like everybody's so, almost everybody I know is so, in, uh, worked themselves up in believing that Oregon can win a national title. You know, I don't think they would stumble here. But it is a rivalry game, and you know it's not in Corvallis. That's the only difference. It's a rivalry game, and like we said, a lot of the kind of statement win, like Oregon's big statement win, was at was at Utah, and Utah has slipped back. So this may well be, or you know, the best team Oregon's played so far this year. Um, but the way Bo Nix is, you know, Bo Nix right now, if the season ended today, would have the um, would break Colt McCoy's all time completion sure. percentage record. I know that because our researchers at Fox talked about it on Saturday. And it's not like the guy only throws, you know, screen passes. Like every time you watch him, he's throwing the ball downfield to wide open uh, Troy Franklin or Tez Johnson. So um, it's, it's remarkable, but so is Jane Daniels. And I'm sure yeah, that you have, you have the, uh, like the bizarro flip. I cannot, I, it's just crazy to me that both of those guys who I feel like were kind of under like written off at the previous places, you know, one of them is probably going to win the Heisman. Well, the funny thing is that the LSU fans who are like indignant that we haven't already handed Jaden Daniels a trophy still look at Bo Nix as Auburn Bo Nix and the Oregon fans. Way, Auburn Bo Nix beat them. Auburn Bo yeah. Nix had a crazy third down conversion that kind of broke their back. Well, in Arizona State, Jaden Daniels as a freshman ruined Oregon's playoff hopes. But Oregon people 
John Canzano did not, uh, I, I, I can't imagine what his mentions were like, where he just kind of flippantly said on Twitter this week, Jane Daniels wouldn't even start at Oregon. He'd be on the bench. He said, no, he said, Jane Daniels be holding a clipboard at Oregon or Washington. So that didn't go over well. Like both fan bases see the guy for what they were at their previous stops and can't accept that they're so much better than they were then. Uh, all right. For the second time, I'm going to say have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next time.